of us, whether you're in the room or you're online or no matter where you're from or what your background is, all of us haven't, have something in common. We all dream. Now, when I say dream, I'm not talking about like a vision for the future. I'm talking about when you sleep at night, you dream. Anybody ever have any nightmares? Any nightmares, people? Weird dreams? Yeah. And, and it's kind of weird because sometimes when you're dreaming, you know you're dreaming. Like in the dream, you know it's a dream. Like you're, like you're in the dream and you're talking to, to Kermit the Frog. And, and, and at some point, you're like, okay, this is not real because this is a dream. Or um, my favorite is like you dream that you're flying. And so it's like, okay, I'm flying and this is kind of cool and whatever. But then there's some dreams, some dreams that are so real that when you wake up, it takes you a little bit of time to acclimate. Am I right? Have you ever had one of these dreams where, it, where it's so, like, you're, like you wake up and you're like, oh, my God. That was so real. In fact, these get so real. I remember one time I was hanging out with a friend of, some friends of mine that are a couple. It was husband and wife. And have you ever kind of hung out with somebody um, that they're either married or dating, and you could just feel the tension when you step in there? Like, you just feel it. And, and it was just it was just awkward. Well, listen, I'm almost 50, and so I've got nothing to lose at this point in my life, so I just kind of walk right into it. I'm like, so something's up. What's up? And she said, you will never believe what he said to me. And I'm like, oh, dear God. <laughs> and he, he literally goes, oh, God, this again. I'm like, dude, what would you say to her? He said, I didn't say nothing to her. I was like, you didn't say anything? And she said, yes, you did. In my dream last night. <laughs> and I said, whoa, 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 wait, wait, wait. You're mad at him because of something he said to you in your dream? She's like, Perry, it was real. <laughs> she was highly upset at her. And so anyway, I was like, yeah, y'all need therapy. I can't help. And I just left him, I just left him there. But there, there are people like that where the dream is so real, when you wake up or you're, you're telling yourself, just wake up, just wake up, just wake up, just wake up. That's how I feel about 2020. It's like somebody wake us up from the, we're mass hallucinating. Okay, we all tripped acid on January 1st, and we need to, because has this not been the craziest year? I mean, we started out with, a, like, like, they're talking about World War III, and then they're talking about impeachment, and next thing we got corona or COVID-19. I don't even know what to call it. Um, and then the killer hornet showed up. Thank you very much. You can't even wear a beekeeper suit because they will sting through the beekeeper suit. So there's the killer hornets. And then we have um, racial riots going on. And, and, and now I heard just this week, this will be the worst hurricane season we've ever had. I'm like, of course it would be. I feel like I'm in a, I'm in a freaking game of Jumanji. I just made it to level seven and somebody needs to wake me up. That's the way all of us feel. It's like, oh my God, because when we started, when we started 2020, there was like a lot of hope. There's like, whoa, a new decade. And now we're going back, you know, you know, could we could could, could we hit that reset button? And our country right now and the world is it feeling kind of lost and crazy. And the church, uh, just globally, is kind of scratching their head. Feeling like we don't know what to do. And there's a reason we feel like we don't know what to do. It's because we don't know what to do. Because none of us have ever been down this road before. And maybe you personally. The past six months, listen, I just know what the statistics say. Stress, anxiety, worry, depression are all on 
the rise. And the one word that I would use to describe a lot of people in the world today is hopeless. In fact, the more news you watch, the more hopeless you will become. So if you've kind of felt hopeless, like things are out of control, I hope I can encourage you today, and it's with a passage that, that this song that Elevation wrote, um, Rattle, is based out of one of the main ideas, and it's Ezekiel 37. And it's, it's one of those passages that I go back to over and over and over again because there's so much encouragement um, and, and so, so much wisdom, and there's so much in this passage that we can't even, we won't even scratch the surface today. But I'm hoping that if you're here, and you're wrestling with hopelessness, that this might encourage you a little bit. Zico writes this down. He said, the Lord took hold of me, and I was carried away. Pause real quick. All my charismatic friends like that verse. The Lord, oh, yes, the Lord took hold of me, and I was carried. Oh, I got carried away when I got carried away by the spirit of the living God. Like, I, they, they, get, they get tambourines and, and ribbons and start singing shout to the Lord. And by the way, this past six months, I've been trying to sing shout at the Lord, not shout to the Lord. I mean, I mean that, that's kind of crazy, but my charismatic friends love it. But then this is where it gets a little crazy. Now, watch this, because the spirit of the Lord sometimes will take you to a dangerous place. Oh, yeah, we don't teach that in church very much. But just watch. Just, just watch. I'm just going to read the text. That's all we're going to do. I was carried away by the Spirit of the Lord to a valley filled with bones. My first thought is, is this necessary? God, is this, I mean, is this necessary? And God, God keeps, he pushes it a little further. He, he led me all around among the bones that covered the valley floor. They were scattered everywhere across the ground, and were completely dried out. I would, I would be like, God, could, I mean, you could have shown me this on your Instagram stories, God, we could have, we, but God was like, no, nah, you've you got to see this for what it is, hopeless. All of us know what it's like to feel hopeless. I'll take you back to the um, national championship game, Clemson-LSU. Clemson was up 17-7 to at one point in that game. Did you know that? I'd forgot because we lost, right? But I remember when we were up 17-7. I was like, man, this is good. And the LSU scored. And I'm like, we're still up. We're still up. It's still good. And the LSU scored again. I was like, ah. We, we, we like to be down a little bit. We like, we, we like to come out. And then LSU scored again. I was like, ah. And we went to halftime. We came out. And we scored again. And we're still trailing, but we're not trailing as much. And I was like, ah, yeah. But here we come. And then they scored again. When I say they, LSU. And then LSU scored again. And I'm... I'm feeling more and more. I'm watching this game, and I lost all. I didn't know what to do. I had to call some of my Carolina friends who, do, who wrestle with losing all the time because I wasn't used to it. I, how, how do you deal? How do you do? <laughs> hey, I just, I just preached the truth. <laughs> Valley of Dry Bones, Williams Bryce. Anyway, so I had to call some of my Carolina friends to help me kind of wrestle through what it was like. But, but I lost hope in that game. I had hope, but I lost it. And most people here know what it's like to have hope. And, and, and then lose it. And, and that's, that's a terrible place to be. To, to have hope that the relationship's going to work out. That the, the addiction's going to end. That the problem is going to get solved. That you're going to break out of the debt prison that you're in. And then all of a sudden, you have a setback and you lose all hope. 
This right here is what you call a hopeless situation. Nobody ever stood at this valley of dry bones and went, you know what, I think these guys are going to pull it together. Because <laughs> they were completely dried out. It was completely hopeless. Now, in the ancient world, when armies went into battle, there was, there was, a, there was a celebration usually the night before, and they prayed to their gods, and most of the time they got hammered, which militarily, I'm not sure, is the best strategy to go to battle. Get hammered, go fight. But anyway, that's the way they did it. And so this army at some point was a great army. They stepped into this valley expecting to win this fight, but we don't know if they were ambushed. We don't know if they were overpowered. We just know the results. They were on the valley floor with no hope. At one time, they did have hope. When they walked in the valley, they had hope. And maybe during the fight, they had hope. Maybe even there was a few people that got wounded and they had hope. Because I'm wounded, but, but like the great theologian Monty Python said, I'm not dead yet, right? And, and so they're, they're wounded, and then they're starting, but all of a sudden they die. But even when they die, they had hope because Jesus brought back people from the dead, right? Lazarus and himself. So, I mean, there's all kind of examples. But then, but then they, started to, they started to riot. Imagine the smell. And, and then they completely dried it. In fact, there was no hope. But you know what I've discovered about God? Sometimes he will wait until we're in a place where we have no hope. And all we can do is turn to him. In fact, some of us in this room, you know for a fact, during that season of your life, you would have never turned to Jesus had you not felt spiritually that you were completely dried out. Now, it, it, gets, it gets real interesting here. Because God asked Ezekiel a question. And, and we know the answer to the question, but Ezekiel didn't know because Ezekiel had not yet read Ezekiel 37. In fact, he hadn't written it. He wrote this down. And I love this question. Because on the surface... It's a stupid question. Now, I know God doesn't ask stupid questions. On the surface, it was stupid. On the surface, it was stupid. Look at this. Then he asked me, son of man, can these bones become living people again? Now, let's say we all went out to a graveyard after the service. We're, I'm, we're not going because I don't like to go. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not down. But like, and I, I just looked at you and said, you believe I can bring all these people back to life? None of you would go, absolutely, Pastor P. <laughs> you <laughs> hitting the bottle again. Like that, I mean, that's, that's what you would say. You, you, you might think it at least. This is a tough question. P people ask stupid questions. I've had people ask, I had somebody ask me, a good friend the other day, asked me, now that you finished your marathon, what's next? And I'm like, I don't know. I'm trying to, what, what about an Ironman triathlon? Heck no. I had to do, heck no. Heck no is what I said. Heck no. Actually, I said something a lot stronger. And people have been, oh, you should. No, swimming. Swimming is awesome for you. Swimming will slim you out. I'm like, oh, yeah? Why, why are whales so fat? Right? They swim all the time. Show me a skinny whale and I'll start swimming. Thank you very much. God, I'm so off track. 
But this is a stupid question. God is asking Ezekiel, do you think these bones, not dead bodies, bones can live again? So Ezekiel's stuck because he doesn't really believe God could do it because he's never seen God do anything like this. But then again, you're talking to God, so he's stuck between doubt and faith. You ever been stuck between doubt and faith? Stuck between God, I'm not sure you can, but I think you can. That doesn't mean you're a bad Christian. It's just confirmation that you're human. So Ezekiel, Ezekiel, he's obviously been to political correctness school because he gives the best answer in the world. God said, you think I can make these bones live again? Oh, sovereign Lord, I replied, you alone know the answer to that. God, you know. I tried that on a math teacher once. It didn't work. In 10th grade, Mr. Cox was like, Terry, what's the answer number three? I was like, oh, Mr. Cox, you know the answer to that. Didn't work. But Ezekiel's trapped. He's like, I don't know what to tell. I don't know. God, I, I mean, you're God, but these, these, these guys are dead. They're so dead. They've, this is, God, this is what I would call an impossible situation. And I just want to encourage people that are in the middle of an impossible situation. It, that's what this is. Right here in the scripture. So, so God comes up with a weird request. Then he said to me, speak a prophetic message to these bones. Ah, see, I, I, that would be weird, right? Preach to the bones. Okay. Well, nobody's going to record it. So I guess I can do it, right? And not, don't have to worry about this being on social media later on. But watch this. He said, he said now I, I, I'm going to come back to this over and over again. Speak a prophetic message. He didn't say, you know what, encourage them that it's going to be okay. Do you know that sometimes, and, and let me just say this, that's one of the most insulting things you can say to a person in pain. It's going to be okay. It's going, to be, it's going to be okay. Well, yeah, but what if it's not? Because I'm dry and dehydrated and scattered out all over the place, and you got your flesh and your eyeballs and everything all in place, and you're going to tell me it's going to be okay? So it didn't say encourage them. It didn't even say challenge them. Oh, you can do better than this. Because cause sometimes when a person's in pain, telling them they can do better than this actually pushes them away rather than pulls them in. So, so God didn't say, speak to them, encourage them, challenge them, give them your best Pinterest quote, right? which I'm not against Pinterest quotes. They're sweet, but they all come back to the same thing, right? I can do this, and I need wine. That's, everything, that, that's, that's basically Pinterest right there. I'm not speaking for me. I'm just, anyway, speak a prophetic message to these bones and say, dry bones, listen to the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says. Look, which is kind of funny because they don't have any eyes. <laughs> the Bible is a great book, y'all. Look, I'm going to put breath into you, 
and make you live again. Notice the breath. It's mentioned once. And I will put flesh and muscles on you and cover you with skin. And I'll put breath. The breath, breath is mentioned twice. It must be important. Huh. We'll circle back around to that. I'll put breath into you. And you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. Now, th this, is, this is what you call power. I love, 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 love to drive fast. I, I, um, I've owned one sports car in my life, and it wasn't, it was kind of a sports car in looks. It didn't really, it wasn't really, it was a Mitsubishi Eclipse, and it was in the 90s, and it looked good, but nobody could sit behind me, but I loved it. It was straight drive and had fun. But I got a friend, and he offered to let me drive his sports car one time. He said, I'll, I'll let you drive it. Now, it had over 830 horsepower. Now, some of you might not know what that means. It means that, let me, let me tell you what happened. He, he brought it by the office and said, drive it like you stole it. So I just wanted to be a good friend and do what he said. I got to the red light and stomped it. My friend's with me. He's like, what if a cop comes? I'm like, he cannot catch us. He said, you can't outrun the radio. I'm like, you can in this car. <laughs> when, I, when I got this second gear... When I shifted, downshifted from first gear to second, it's like I took off in a rocket ship. I looked down, I was 100 miles an hour in second gear. When I shifted to third, you don't even want to know how fast I got. But when I got back to the, to, to the place where my friend, I was shaking. I had so much, because I had never experienced that much power. <laughs> I got my little SUV and drove home, right? <laughs> but I've never forgotten that experience because there was so much power in the engine. See, I'm not against encouraging people with quotes, and I'm not against locking arms and telling somebody I'm going to stand with you, but there's something about a prophetic word from the Lord, because the prophetic word has power. Encouragement can help out a little bit, but I'm talking about a prophetic word. When God speaks, I'm talking about when God speaks, there's power. That's why I believe it's essential for us to gather together as a group of believers, whether we're in room or whether we're online, because I need, you need, we need the power of God spoken into our lives in a prophetic way. Because when God speaks, stuff just happens. When God, do you understand that God created the world? God created the universe just by speaking it into existence. There's power in the word of God. Jesus healed people with just the power, he would just speak healing, and, it, and people would be healed. Jesus spoke, and Lazarus came back from the dead. All he said was, Lazarus, come forth, and something dead came back to life, which is why I believe we need a prophetic message. Somebody needs to hear something today from God. You need to hear you're stronger than you think. You need to hear you're going to make it. You need to hear you're about to experience a breakthrough. You thought it was going to be a breakdown, but it's going to be a breakthrough because God brings dead things back to life by the power of his word. That's, that's why we, we need a prophetic message spoken. So he's preaching this. He's preaching this message. And the Bible says, so I, so, so I spoke this message just as he told me. Notice he threw in that, that thing. I preached, but he told me to. He told me to. Suddenly, as I spoke, there was a rattling noise. 
all across the valley. Can you imagine Ezekiel at first? He feels kind of stupid. I'm imagining he felt dumb, speaking a word of prophecy into something that was dead. But all of a sudden, as he starts prophesying, things start rattling. He's looking around, and, and, and the bones of each body came together and attached themselves as complete skeletons. At this point, I'm out. <laughs> Bring somebody in to do the next part of the miracle. Then, as I watched, muscles and flesh formed over the bones. The skin formed to cover their bodies. Watch this. But they still had no breath in them. Well, in, in the previous text, God promised breath twice. So God does all this work, but they don't have any breath yet. It was kind of incomplete. Now, when I was, when I was reading this, I, I thought about the process. I mean, it's a, it's a process, right? This, this didn't, he preached and there was a process. There was prophecy, then the process. Prophecy and then the process. And sometimes, sometimes God works immediately and supernaturally, and we see his work automatically, but you know that most of the time God works through a process. So if you're not where you need to be, it's okay. Because maybe you're in the process. Ladies, let me ask you a question. Men can't answer this question. Only ladies can answer this question. In fact, only ladies can answer most questions. Because they won't let the man answer a question. Anyway, I'm just, I'm just throwing that out there. Ladies, would you say that pregnancy is a process? Yes. I mean, would it, wouldn't it be kind of great in, in, in a lot of ways to, like, get pregnant one day and have the baby the next? All the men are like, yes, it, yes, yes, it would. Amen. I mean, not you, baby. You were perfect. But like most women, yes. But it's a process, right? Like the thing happens, you know, the, the, the thing, the thing, the thing, the thing happens. And then it's a, it's a, it's a process. And, it's, and, and, and certain things happen in the process. And you, you're craving, you're craving something. You're craving something. You're craving something. You're craving something else. You're craving something. I mean, and, and then about month eight or nine, it's like, I, I got to give birth. I got to give birth now. You, and it's like, you've got to get out of me. I mean, it's, it's, it's a process. It's a, it's a process. And if you interrupt the process, there's some problems, right? Because the baby, the baby has to grow. Don't miss this. The baby has to grow and develop in the darkness. But when the baby is born, you see the work that God was doing all along that was invisible but beautiful. God does some of his best work in the dark. Amen. When I was growing up and we actually had cameras, you had to take film into a dark room. And you had to expose it in the dark room. And if you expose the film to the light too early, it would mess it up. It had to stay in the darkness for a certain season so that when it was exposed, people could enjoy the picture that was actually taken. So if you feel like you're in darkness right now, if you feel like you're in confusion, if you feel like you're in hopelessness, my encouragement would be lean in to the word of God because you might not be where you want to be, but maybe 
you're in the process. Maybe you're about to be delivered. Maybe you're about to experience light. Maybe you're about to see God do something that he's never done in your life before. You're in the process. But the process has a problem. It's incomplete. And, and maybe you felt like that before. Okay, God's done this, and God's done this, and God's done this, but, but I'm incomplete. What's lacking? It might be the breath. Let me ask you a question. Let me ask you this question. Do any of y'all talk to the television while it's, anybody talk to the TV? Anybody, anybody sitting next to somebody that should be raising their hand? Okay, I talk to the TV, and I, I got to confess, I'm, I'm the world's worst. I talk, if I'm watching a sports game, and my, I'll be like, you idiot, you idiot. Yeah. If I'm watching the news, I'm like, oh, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life. My, I, I want to argue. I want to I argue. I talk to the TV all the time. How many talk to your dog like it's a human? I do. I, did, I was talking to Chance, dude. I was like, what is your problem? What, seriously, what is your problem? And he's looking at me like his little tail's just wagging. He don't know. <laughs> How many of you talk to the other driver in front of you? Mm-hmm. 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 Thought you were holy until I got to that point, didn't you? Halo fell right off your head, didn't it? <laughs> now, now, they can't hear you, but you're talking to them. So don't, don't miss this. We will talk. To the person in front of us, we will talk to a television set. We will talk. Oh, let me ask you this question. How many of you have ever said a cuss word? Oh, I, didn't, I wasn't finished yet. <laughs> this is second chance. Yes, praise God. In the lobby. How much is that T-shirt? Son of a. Anyway, so stay with me. Stay with me. Focus. You said a cuss word and then automatically said, God, I'm sorry. How many have ever done that? Yeah, 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 yeah. Because we, we know God heard us. We know he heard us. Why is it that when we say a cuss word, we know God heard us, but when we pray a prayer, we wonder? Why is it that we automatically believe that God heard the bad stuff? But he never heard the desperate stuff. The reason I'm saying this, I, I'm just as guilty. Because I'll talk to the car in front of me. I'll talk to the television. I'll talk to my dog. And I'm thinking, and I'm having normal conversation. But sometimes when I'm talking to God and I'm asking God for certain things, I'm like, did, did he even hear me? And he's the creator of the universe that loves you and love, he loves us more than we could ever imagine. Not only can he hear our words, he can read our minds. He knows the desires of our heart, and he really is a good father that wants to do good things for his children, which is why we come to this, which God tells Ezekiel, you're not done yet. Because, see, I promised breath, and breath isn't there. Then he said to me, son, then he said to me, speak a prophetic message. In other words, keep prophesying, not encouraging. Keep, pro keep speaking life into these bones. Speaking life. Speak a prophetic message to the wind. What? To the what? I've been speaking to the bones. Now you want me to talk to the wind? 
Yeah, because there's power in the Word of God. Power in the Word of God. So speak a prophetic message to the wind. This is what the sovereign Lord says, O breath from the four winds, breathe into these dead bodies so they may live again. So I spoke the message as he commanded me, and breath came into their bodies. They all came to life and stood up on their feet, a great army. Can you see this happening? I mean, the, the miracle of the process was amazing. That the bones came to life and, are, are, and they were standing there with skin, muscles, and everything. But the breath, the breath, don't miss this. The breath is symbolic of the Holy Spirit at work in somebody's life. So I don't know where you are in your spiritual journey. I don't know if you feel like you're dry and dehydrated like those bones. I don't know if you feel like you're a work in progress, but something's missing. But here's what I can promise you. God's heart for you is for you to live. For the breath of God to come into your life and fill you with hope and joy like you never imagined. Now, I was originally going to end it there, but I was thinking just the other night about this passage, about how this army, don't miss this, don't miss this, don't miss this second chance, lean in right here. This army at one time, they didn't just feel defeated, they were defeated. They were dried out and dehydrated, and the enemy had moved on and forgotten about them. But the enemy didn't know that even though they had been wiped out, that they were not out of, of his plan and his will. And God took a bunch of dry bones and brought them back to life and I'll bet you they never lost another battle because they had been brought together by God breathed into by God and what the enemy thought he had destroyed eventually sought the enemy down and destroyed him because that's what God does and I started thinking that's our church because every person that I know here you have felt like those dry bones dry and dehydrated and forgotten and alone but God started something, doing something in you. Maybe it was a week ago, a month ago, or a year ago. And he started bringing you back to life. And what I believe he's going to do with our church over time is he's going to bring us back to life. His spirit will live in each of us. And in my prayer for every church service is we experience the presence of God in ways we've never experienced the presence of God before. And somebody better put the enemy on notice that he thought he had us wiped out, but we were not wiped out. Don't call it a comeback, baby, because God had a plan the whole time to bless us, to protect us, to take his favor and put it on us so that we could see greater things than we could ever imagine. May his favor be on us. May his favor be on us. Let's sing that and lift it up to God right now.